0: Hey everybody, this is Mike. This is Saturday, September 27th and me and Ross Ben just finished our second conversation and it is a good one. Uh, it's probably going to take <laughs> a little bit of time to uh, sort through all that is shared. I would highly recommend you take the, the, the pieces of information, the two different presentations we share as uh two perspectives looking at the same ph- phenomenon um and then it gets even richer and deeper and you know all that this may uh uh apply so um enjoy the video and also uh, i want to show you ross ben's website it's uh rossben.com this is where you could go and find all of his works all of his books um It looks like he does astrology readings, but uh, definitely feel free to check it out uh, if you want to find out further about, um, you know, what, what, what he does. So without further ado, here you go.
1: All right. Peace and love. Peace and love. Welcome to the mystics of the 40th parallel, 40th degree of latitude. We're back. We're forward. (laughs) share some more, you know? And uh, we got very positive feedback from the first episode. You know, a lot of people seem to have been waiting for us to come together and, you know, build collectively on this research we've been doing. So uh, I've been looking forward to this episode and uh, uh, I know it's going to be a good one, you know. We're going to focus on electricity and technology. I think we're going to name this one Enoch or Enochian. Which timeline are you on, you know? (laughs) Something to that effect. But yeah, we're going to look at (laughs) this timeline manipulation and the Role that electricity, computer technology played in it, you know. And uh, I, I started first last time, right? So we're gonna, you know, swap the baton. We're going. We're going to let Mike open up this go round. And so I'm going to pass it on on to, to the Susquehanna Alchemists.
0: You know what I like, I like, I like the Susquehanna sage like Alchemist has like a little bit of, of like some termin some 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 history with it, which I'm not necessarily tied with, but the sage but I recognize the sentiment behind it so so it's kind of fun to play these roles. First things first, like um, I'm, I've am i been so excited for this for this follow up uh, conversation for a variety of reasons. I'm excited to share the information which I have to share. I'm excited to hear what um, what you have to share because it complements so perfectly, but it's so different. And I think it's through this these two different views that we get like a, a deeper understanding of what we're working with. And I also want to say this. It's like, you know, we're we, you and I are both very conscious of the fact that um you know we're working with the energy of the 40th parallel we're working with like the specific land where you are and where i am just like is naturally is breathing um but if you're watching this, if you're watching this, like you're just as connected, like there's a billion different things for you to put your attention on. And there are a billion other people who aren't watching this at all. But if this is something which, which, which is capturing your attention and awareness, like regardless of like how much, is like this is your energy too. And it's, 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 we're building this collectively. And so uh we're we're kind of talking about it. And I think like, you know, our piece of the puzzle is certainly like, you know, painting, painting a story or an understanding, but it's all of us which are stepping into it right now. So with that said, uh, with that said, I'm going to get started. So uh, screen share right here. Uh, where is my? All right, here we go. Let me go to the top here. So um, pulling back the curtain. The one the biggest mystery you never knew existed this is always my general kind of like susquehanna alchemy sort of like teaser but we like you said uh or we talked about a little bit this is going to be called enochian to Inya. Enoch. And, you know, there's, there's an assumption I have that, you know, there's a a general familiarity with, with uh, John D. and Enochian magic, even if it's just like, uh, you know, conceptual. So uh, I'm going to work from there. Uh, I like to always start off when talking about John D is, you know, this painting, this is the most famous painting of John D. And this is from an article by, um, I think his name is pronounced Jason Louvre or love and, um, what I found is there are a lot of people who write about John D. they write it from um, what I would call an apologetic kind of perspective because he's got a bad reputation. And so Jason Jason fits that description. Uh, and so I say that for people so that, you know, I don't want to go and and dictate how to interpret John D. I just want to tell you, this is the stuff associated with him. Uh, I've listened to a lot of Jason's work. Uh, I've not read any of his books, but, um, it's really interesting to, if you want to get more into this character, because this character has played such a large role in our reality right now. So uh now i'd like to switch a little bit to my artwork i made this years ago we got we got john d right here conjuring up in his nokian circle we got sir uh john von neumann telling us that are thinking yesterday's science is today's technology we got the first ai uh robot the first the first ai robot to get a a global citizenship and she's telling everyone this is dr d practicing his Enochian magic before enioc the first computer that's what we got back here so that's a fun way to start and here's a gentleman which we're going to be talking about john d and uh just to give you an idea of his time frame or at least you know the time we're told that he he lived uh the throughout the um majority of his life was in the 1500s born in 1527 died in 1608 so now I want to go on to uh, just like the key bullet points which the John D Society lists um, lists about John D. Like it, it's not a really in depth website, but I think it's pointing to a lot of stuff. But anyway, it says here this John D Society are primary, and this is a a, a British based. Um, uh, organization this is not uh, an american organization our primary purpose is to produce a standard edition of the published and unpublished works of elizabethan england's greatest polymath antiquarian and magus dr john d to make available to students of renaissance philosophy and d's enochian magical system a coherent date date database of primary source material for their their researches. So this is coming from that sort of perspective and they they list on the their front page they give 14 key things about him and so this this organization which is positioning itself as like kind of the primary spokesperson for John D this is what they see as the 14 points they want to go publicly you know demonstrate as who this individual is. So the first thing is he's the visionary of the British Empire. British Empire is like that's that's globalism. That's where globalism began. That was, you know, there were they were uh, the. They. I'm not saying the British Empire is a good thing. I'm saying the British Empire is the best at wanting to build an empire that, um, at least in the history we're told, has ever done. All empires want to have as big of an empire as they can, and they got the biggest. And so this began with John D. This is where this vision, and particularly the term, and we know we know how important naming something is. This is where it began. Um, this is something which is very important. He's the first to apply Euclid geometry to navigation. He trained the great navigators. He developed the maps and he chartered the Northeast and now Northwest passages. So like uh, uh, California and, and the East Coast. We talked a little bit about the East Coast. This guy is the guy who said, this is where you're going. This is where you're going. He was able to do things no one before ever did you know, you decide. I decide. You know, why did he know that? Like basic history tells us, the reason why the British Empire uh, be, went from this small little small nation, Britain, and and became the 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 biggest uh, explorers. You know, beyond Spain and Portugal, who had hundreds of years of of, of a head start. They say it's because of all of his navigational training to these guys. He didn't go to these places, but he somehow knew where to tell them to go. Uh, this is also important. Um, uh, this is where we get the Enochian magic. His angel uh, con, he was an angel conjurer with the sidekick Edward Kelly. And uh, you know most people are probably familiar with the story. They used an obsidian stone, which came from Mesoamerica. Alright, so he's working through that t- he's whatever that may mean like this is part of the story and this is where they got their Nokian magic or at least where it was transmitted or at least this is where the story they're telling us it was transmitted. So what what is key though to better understand john D is um the reason why this man needed edward kelly is because of the type of quality of the mind necessary to practice scrying which is what kelly did he was able to gaze into um into this obsidian stone and see it and john d couldn't see it so he's like i got to get this other guy to help me so the reason why the other guy could help him is because his mind was wired i'm going to use planetary uh, archetypes his mind was very neptunian. He was able to use the imagination, he was able to see and unfocus like what he thinks anything is and receive versus john D whose mind was very saturnian. It was so so structured that even uh, the 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 conscious wanting to de to to release or relax that structure that mental structure he was unable to. Um, we're gonna tie D to computers in a moment, but the reason why I wanna point this out is particularly original computers are all based upon the binary system, zeros and ones, you know, that's basically most computers right now. This is a binary mind. That's what John D had. When we think about computers, we think, and we, we think about how they're structured, how their, their, their decision-making trees go. It's all, they're always either, or, and John D was that as well. And it was so much to the fact that he was unable to release it to scry. So um, this is another key point I want to say. He's the founder. Remember, this is coming from this John D association uh, or organization. He's the founder of the Rosicrucian order. Mm -hmm. So I know and you know, he's not the founder of the Rosicrucians. He's the founder of the Rosicrucian order. So if we could look at this nowadays part of rosicrucianism is it's meant to be very very confusing for a variety of weas- reasons in a variety of ways and so right now like i could think of like five or six different uh, official or rosicrucian organizations Amorc is the biggest one and the best known one but they're not the only one you know the the Rosicrucian organization that owns the pyramids in Bucks County it's totally different or rosicrucians and they're like no we're the rosicrucians those guys aren't the rosicrucians we are so this is the same thing this does not say the order of the rosy cross this does not say you know the the fellowship or whatever it's just saying whatever the rosicrucian order is that's what he founded um this is another thing uh, mapping mathematical studies for the future. I don't even know what the hell that means. Like, you know, mapping mathematical studies, but, but I think that is, is a clue or an indication of the applied technology, which we now understand with, uh, with computers. But this guy, like in the same way, what he did with navigation, he was doing with mathematics. Um, All right. Uh, He also is the, he established the legal foundation for colonizing North America. He came up with the legal justification. So this is one of the reasons. So, uh, you know, I tell everyone make up your own mind. The reason why I tell you to make up your own mind because I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind. And you know, that's just me as an individual and I'm able to do that. I don't want anyone to make up their mind based upon what Mike made up. But this is why I made up the mind. Two things. uh enokian magic and and uh the justification and even the dream of building an empire they're both based upon the same thing and that is domination it's domination and that is fundamentally against what i consciously align with i, I align with freedom and sovereignty and so because of that, because of that, like no matter like all of these apologetic stories, and, and again, you come up with your own opinion, but like, I just I just don't, it, it do, there's no way around it for me. So I, I'm saying that, so that's kind of where I come from with, uh, um, with uh, uh, my thoughts on John D. So here's, here's an interesting picture. Um, this is uh, the image depicts John D. Queen Elizabeth's personal astrologer, uh passing a lantern symbolizing the exoteric tradition of Francis Bacon and so these guys are um we went from D starting and dreaming up the British empire and Bacon was the guy who then put that plan in motion he was the uh he began the execution of it and I find it very interesting that they do it over this open grave um uh with Bacon, I've got a little bit of a little different a personal opinion, but, but again, that's, I'm not gonna get into that, but I thought this is an interesting thing. These guys are linked and primarily everything in history tells us that they're not linked, but if you like look at their storylines, obviously they were linked. This is considered the, on, uh, the only kind of like imagery which connects the two of them from, from that time period so now i'm going to move on a little bit more art before we like dive in uh into like some of the the numbers stuff but here's that piece of art we saw earlier it was painted in 1913 and it was titled john d performing Ex- an experiment before elizabeth the first this is where i got that image from and uh this is i think you know d- this is very very telling so uh, the painting of john d astrologer queen elizabeth contains a ring of hidden skulls so they, um, what they often do, I guess, with older paintings, but this is, really isn't that old. It's 1913. It's not like a, a, a Renaissance painting. They, they were doing. I'm not certain why, but it was, it was X-rayed. And in the X-ray, this ring of skulls is, is what John D was originally painted surrounded it, and then it was painted over. And when you take that in context of like, oh yeah, we've got this, this death imagery again. And there's a lot of ways to um, to interpret that. So we're back now. So we've got that that recurring death, death imagery. All right, death rebirth, you could, it could be read that way too. It could be read a lot of different ways. Um, so now I'm gonna go to this. This is an essay which was written by Donald Tyson uh, back in 96. And the importance for pointing that out was like if you go back to what the internet was in '96, it was it was not what it is now, and it was uh, it, it was a very different technological world. So the reason I say that is he does not uh, Donald Tyson does not take into account technology in this article, but I think it everything what she's saying is particularly after what has unfolded since he has written this, that is very applicable when we're looking at our technology. And so just to give a little bit of, of, of background on who Donald Tyson is, I just like cut out some of the, of, of I don't know, 20, 30 books, which are accredited to him. Um, and you know, firsthand, like writing is, you know, if you're putting out that many books, like that's a lot of, a lot of effort. So, uh, Enochian Magic for Beginners, that came out in 2002. Uh, Familiar Spirits, a practical guide for witches and magicians uh a magician's workbook practicing rituals of the western tradition the 13 gates of the necronomicon i can never pronounce that but you know what i mean uh and then the fourth book of occult philosophy like like this guy is an expert is my point i'm not like i'm not supporting him i'm not i'm not saying anything other than the fact that this guy is at least well versed probably well versed in most people as it relates to john d and so this article, uh, so he begins it, where John D.'s Enochian keys of magic. So these are the like the actual working elements of the Enochian magical system intended to unleash violent occult forces that will hurl us into another age. AKA, you know, the 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 apocalypse, the end of an age, the birth of a new age, what we're seeing being uh, really uh um at least force down our throats right now. So I want to read a couple key points. Um, it was D's plan to use the complex system of magic communicated by the angels. So the angels, which, uh, he received this information from to advance the expansionist policies of the sovereign Queen Elizabeth, the first. So he's like, his, his original plan to use this was so he could take over the world. And they did and they did take over the world. So you decide for yourself whether or not they're linked, but you know, you know, proof's in the pudding in my opinion. D hoped to control the hostile potentates of Europe by commanding the tutelatory spirits. I expand that from the potentates of Europe and I'm saying the whole wide world. And so the, this is what Enochian magic does. It puts into bondage the tutelatory spirits on the earth, the earth spirits. Whereas rivers are just one type of earth spirit, but I would say a very, very significant one. And hopefully, another day we could talk more about the earth spirits. But this is laying it out from an expert. This is what John Dee's about. Uh, we can see this is his, this is this is Tyson's thought on Dee. I will present what I believe to be the angel secret agenda, which they concealed from Dee to plant among mankind the ritual working that would initiate the period of violent transformation between the present aeon and the next. Uh, so, so this guy's basically said, D was innocent. D was a good dude, the angels tricked him. And maybe that's the case, I don't know. But the guy wanted to apply it. The guy wanted to apply it in a way which, which is still in my opinion, like, you know, it is a domination policy uh, to, to, to what... um. What the Enochian angels conveyed to D was not merely a potent form of magic to rule the tutelatory spirits of the nation. It was an initiatory formula designed to open the lock gates. And so he goes on. It's it's a I really recommend reading this article and reading it like you know, uh, first from the author's perspective and then apply it maybe to to maybe some of the way which which we look at things. But but this guy is like calling out what it is. So I'm gonna switch now and I'm gonna go to um to uh, the Susquehanna River and the the general the, the general overarching storyline within the Susquehanna mystery is this river this tutlatory spirit this tutlatory spirit which is quite possibly the oldest river on the planet so just imagine what type of tutlatory spirit that would be is mm-hmm. under a huge bondage ritual is a 400 year ritual and i can, uh, that's easy to identify and it was in order to apply a certain agenda and one of the ways which we can see this and understand exactly what was happened is through the practice of sacrificing your first fruits Mm -hmm. you know this is an ancient ancient practice the first of what you do you put and you give it to your deity you give it to your deity and you're like this is what this is what this is what i want more of like i give this to you first and like you know bless my bounty you know i want i we i ask for a, a good bounty i give this to you first you know, uh, I was just wa- <laughs> I was just watching the Godfather with my my boys, and it's a wonderful way to teach brother to brother relationships. I've got a thirteen and a fifteen year old and and but but one of the things, like I haven't seen the Godfather series for a very, very, very long time, and I'm watching it, and just like this whole idea of paying tribute, right? So we've got this. It's the same sort of this is a manipulated tutelatory spirit, and then there and what it's manipulated for doing is like whatever's put upon it, you like you got to go and make this populate. You got to do it. You know, I'm going to make you, you, I've made an offer you can't refuse. So we've got the first fruits right here. We talked a little bit last time. This is where Jamestown is. This is the birth of the British empire. This is where it actually came into physical establishment from like, you know, the the dreams or the vision within within Dee's mind to the fi- like the early uh, uh, touches in, in the British uh, Isles to like, nope, this is what, this is our first permanent colony. And so we've got this right here and then what we have here, what we have here is the birthplace of computer technology. The first one is here and then right here where these three wires come together is where we have the birthplace of three wire distribute, distributed electricity. And we see all three of these are on this river and taken together, taken together. It's not the only way, but electricity and computers, they have to go hand in hand. And then when we add in the globalism, it's like, that's where you get your internet. And we're going to come back to that later. But I want you to be able to see it like this is it like in like magic theory. And then we can go and look at it in in practice. And we know what they were trying to do. And we see all this sort of stuff. So right here we can see Eniac. This is what this is a historical marker. The electrical numerical integrator and computer was invented by Presper Eckert and John Mauchly. It was built here in the University of Pennsylvania in 1946. No, it was built in 1945, but they told us about it in 46. But nonetheless, we are connected directly to Philadelphia. This is where it was built. Philadelphia is where it was all built in every way, and so it was built there. Um, and we also connected Ben Franklin at his university. The invention of the first all-purpose digital computer, that's ENIAC, it's the first. The invention of the all-purpose digital compi- computer signaled the birth of the information age. There you go, this is it. Here's your sacrificial lamb, this is it. So now we've got this sign, ENIAC, the first large-scale uh, general-purpose electric digital computer, Eniac was delivered to the US Army's Ballistic Research Laboratory, Aberdeen. Uh, it's now known as Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Here it's called BRL. Oh, it says right here, Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Built, see, in 1947, built by the University of Pennsylvania. See the numbers. They're just lying about the numbers. Uh, uh, it, built by the University of Pennsylvania under an Army Ordnance Corps contract. It. The whole computer industry began as a defense network plan. It was designed by the army. It was designed to kill. You know, that was the logic behind all of this. Uh, with technical supervision, blah blah blah. And what they did was this is the story which we're told. And it's probably true to an extent, but we're going to get into it deeper. This is where they went and they calculated how to be the most efficient killers at a distance. That's that's what that's what it is, you know. And so this happened in Aberdeen. So actually, it was built in 45, announced in 46, and delivered in 47. That's what's happened. So here we go. This is Eniac, or at least this is the picture which they showed us. It's really kind of creepy. It's got like, uh, to me, it feels creepy. And uh, maybe it was the way this, it, the artist presented it. But you know, this is where it all began. This is where it all began. This is Rosemary's baby, my friends. So let's look a little bit closer. This is the Chesapeake Bay. This is the Susquehanna River. This, wise, this is the Susquehanna River fuels of all of the fresh water that goes into the, 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 the Chesapeake Bay. 50% comes from the Susquehanna. That means like 10% comes from, from the Potomac and like 4% comes from the James. It's, this is why this Chesapeake Bay is the Susquehanna. It's the flooded valley. And this is where it transitions. So part of the things of ancient altars is is they were built where it was obvious and this is where they started finding the first mounds or building the first mounds but the the importance of it wasn't like I'm going to put my sacrifice just like out in the middle of the field it's going to be where something where it is evident and so what we see in this map right here is at the evident locations at the transitions are where the first where the first fruits were offered and this is Aberdeen proving grounds right here this is don't know like five miles if even that but you could see it's right on the water uh uh aberdeen proving grounds we could see here proving ground is a training area where um a training center in which a military installation or reservations where weapons or other military technology technology are experimented with and are tested or where military tactics are tested yes it processed information but in hindsight we could see it was the it was a weapon too it was being proven too all right so let's keep on going down with this and and this is and and this is not the only first fruit of the computer technology industry which we find on the susquehanna Uh, the first real big tech, uh, computer manufacturer was IBM, particularly in the fifties and the sixties, seventies, eighties. Like, you know, it wasn't probably until the transition of the eighties that, that IBM began to stop being the primary computer manufacturer. Where's IBM, where was the birthplace of IBM? Endicott, New York. Where's Endicott, New York? Right here on the Susquehanna. So we've got that there. So now we're going to go and switch gears a little bit more, switch gears a little bit more. And we're going to go look at the first quantum computer company. I talked a little bit uh, in the beginning about how uh, traditional computers use binary decision making processing ones and zeros. But but quantum computers, it doesn't do that. It does something else. It does something that they're like, no one can understand it. That's the t- that's what they're telling us. But this is what quantum computers do and they do amazing things. We could see this d-wave computer a small canadian company backed by bezos nasa cia same sort of guys um you know we've got the founder gordy rosicrucian you know he's one of the founders mm-hmm. and um we just go and we look at the the name it's called john d waving hey i'm john d mm-hmm. i'm waving to you you remember my enochian magic my Enoch computer well now this is my next computer i didn't go away now i'm not suggesting that was done consciously it could have it very well could have but it could very well be the workings of this ritual and that's kind of what what tyson goes into is about how the ritual goes into the subconscious of all of humanity but uh going on from that so here it goes even deeper so we got john d enokian magic we've got the first uh com- world's first computer or at least the birthplace of the information age ENIAC, and that was dedicated on february fifteenth, 1946 d wave first computer their first demonstration publicly february 13th 13th and 15th they're very very close 15th is the real day well, um, we can see this is done right here it's where we know this information and so we see that both of them were done on Lupercalia. Lupercalia is an ancient Roman festival all about fertility. You know, what we want this to prosper. But uh, as they say right here, it's possibly pre-Roman. There ain't nothing new under the sun. It ain't pre-Roman. And so like this is this is this is uh, uh, um this is part of the working. And so a couple more images uh one of the ways which I think is uh, another example of how we see this Enochian magic showing itself using river magic in another way is the fact of the Amazon just the fact that they're tapping into the name and we see what Amazon's becoming and I got like Jeff Bezos right here sitting here and and this is my the talks and how uh you know, my thought is like there's there's a whole lot more uh, 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 quantum manufacturing which is behind the scenes at Amazon, but that's just my my sense of it. I'm kind of like uh, pointing pointing humor at it in these images with D like on the computer yelling, "Bezos, we're running low on black goo. Pronto, pronto! You got it, boss. Like it's you know he's he, we know who's running the show here. So now I'm going to go. I got a couple more uh, slides, but uh, it's going to start tying it together. We're going to bump up right here to C because you can't have computers without electricity. In fact, the electricity uh, it. It it predates it predates the computers by seventy five years. And so first things first, we are in, um, you know, seemingly an an electrical universe, an electrical, physical environment. Um, Electric electricity in its natural form is very, very significant to the um, to the 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 human expression on um, on life, or all of life expression in in the world, but electricity, manufactured electricity, is not the same thing. And I'm not going to uh, get into this now. But like you know, if you just read uh, the the invisible rainbow, like it spells it out very clearly. Um, the computer is an inversion of uh, of a truth and so is the uh electricity and how electricity is created um uh artificially and what we see here is both sympathetic magic and we see it's it's very um Kabbalistic too, because it's all about creating a three-wire distribution of of electricity, which is the left hand, the right hand, and the middle path. You know, we've got the negative, the positive, and the neutral from the actual physical uh, way which which the uh um which the uh um why the uh, the electrical current is is brought to to your home, and so it was done right here, it was done right there, and it was done in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Um, there was a hotel built there in 1871. And then it became the first building to be lit with Edison's three wire system in 1883. And then here is a picture of like a, um, in Sunbury where there is a um, is a uh, a marker saying that this is the first electro, this was Edison's first electrification project anywhere and it was in Sunbury, PA. So they got it marked there. We also got to point out Edison was, you know, Edison was an occultist. He was, you know, a member of the Theosophical Society. In 1882, you know, when when did this happen right here? This was, um, this was 1883. So the year before he turned on his first distribution of electricity, you know, it's on the records here that, in October 1882, Master KH wrote to AP Senate that Edison was a good deal protected by M. You know, you make of it what you want, but I'm just saying like this guy is deep deep in it. And so here's a here we have right here. This is a close up of it. This is the, the North Branch. This is the West Branch. This is where Sunbury is used to be known as uh, we talked about this uh, a little bit last week or two weeks ago. This is Shemokin. This is a key key. This has always been a significant location. This is where they went and they go and they built that. And I also want to point out the fact that, well, Edison, like, you know, what, what do we know about Edison now? Edison is G.E. General Electric. Uh, Edison, um, he had, he was a huge businessman. He was a very, very successful businessman. And he formed three of four of his companies. You know, this was one of his companies right here. And it became the Edison General Electric. And then once he partnered with JP Morgan, it became General Electric. I find this very interesting right here. Edison General Electric and Thompson Hudson merged to become the General Electric Company. That became in, in 1892 and the um, first president was Charles Coffin. And, you know, so again, we're getting this kind of like death imagery. We see it over and over and over again. So we're, now it's kind of like, um, I wanna go in and combine those three as I talked about in the beginning, the globalism, electricity, and computers. And the most obvious uh, uh, outer world expression of that is the internet. And the Internet story is like, you know, it was invented. It came up through ARPANET um, of the Department of Defense. Remember, this is all computers always began from the Defense Department always began from a, a, a consciousness, which is about where it's, uh, you know, no matter how you justify it, you're killing human beings. That's what this is. This is where this is coming from in the most, you know, no esoteric way. That's that's the mindset in the heart space of these individuals. So uh, so it starts with ARPANET and this is fantastic. So the, the, the guys who came up with the idea, these computer scientists for what would become um, the internet, uh, the real driver of this, this link litter, he was the head of the behavioral sciences and command and control programs at the Department, the de, uh, Defense Department's uh, Advanced Research Projects Agency. So I wanna be very clear with this so the internet was invented by computer scientists but he ran a behavioral science Mm. arm of the of the defense department Mm. what was the purpose from the beginning, like the story they tell us, the internet was done for communication. I'm like, there's, a, there's, there's that part, that uh, there's the, the physical part, but they knew what it was for. You know, you go see all of the, the uh, In the Minds of Men, I think that's a documentary, like, you know, all of the technocracy, they always knew it was for behavioral control. They told us from the very beginning it was called the net and the web. Those are things to catch you with. What were they gonna catch? Your behavior. Look at what's going on right now with like, you know, the addictiveness of all of the social media. It was designed from the get go. How can we weaponize capturing your behavior. So I've got a couple more five more slides and then we're almost done We're on the home stretch here. So um, let's go to where we are right now. You know that we're 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 obviously moving into, you know, I like to say we're at year one right now, or that's what they're going to be referring to this is year one. uh, uh, Last year being year zero and on the technology front, which is evidently like very, very important. That's where this is where all of this is going. You know, we talk about about the blockchain and the blockchain technology and blockchain and so blockchain and, and and it's most tied right now with cryptocurrency it's all you know we know it's all singularity it's all getting more and more the money and the and the biology and the and the and the electricity and the and the computer processing and the human being are becoming more and more and more and more so blockchain is is right now most people who know it they think about it just purely in the 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 technology of cryptocurrencies and so and, and there's an excitement around that and you know i i Uh, I'll give my preamble when I'm done, but, um, so, so cryptocurrency isn't about money. It's about electricity so this is bitcoin alone bitcoin in order to process in order to host the server farms the server farms uh, that are doing the the what they're calling the cryptocurrency mining the computer stuff the background stuff the blockchain stuff it requires more electricity than the entire country of argentina so on a day-to-day basis like crypto coin just to run that in the background make no mistake blockchain and and the cryptocurrencies these are about electricity it's primarily this is electrical this is all electrical that's what i'm pointing out and we can see right here microsoft will mine bitcoin with your brain the reason why it's 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 like there's not enough computer powers like other data centers do not require this type of energy like what the hell is taking this much energy like there's there's something like they're not that much bigger than other data centers are doing they're consuming more energy and without really i don't understand the technology of it but i'm like there's something which we can see in the context of everything else and they're going to do it with your brain soon All right. So, uh, you know, we will maybe we'll do this another time. We'll talk about how this all ties into to astrology and the turning of the ages. This is the entranceway of the Federal Reserve Board. All right. Cryptocurrency, like, is definitely sold to the public as a grassroots freedom sort of thing, but when you walk into the entranceway of the Federal Reserve, who's letting supposedly letting go of their control, this is what you find: you find the etchings of the of the twelve signs of the zodiac. They know what they know what clock they're following. They're putting it in the front door, and they're telling everyone who walks through. Uh, Who's the guy I showed in the very beginning, John von Neumann, John, the new man. This is the guy he is considered the most, he's considered the John D of our age, not necessarily because of his magic, but because of his, he was the most brilliant man, just as John D was the most brilliant man. This guy is tied in directly to, to the founding of the computer industry. And he even, I believe was one of the first people to, to use the word, the, the technological singularity. So here I'm gonna go and wrap it up. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss, all right? The history of slavery. Slavery is the oldest industry. It's the oldest industry. We know what the oldest profession is. This is the oldest industry. It was established. It was an established industry at the beginning of of Babylon. It was an established industry. This has never gone away. Now, what it does do is it changes its face, they say it right here, it will have vastly different systems, but it's, it's still the same system. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Blockchain embedded in their language, they're telling you it is slave trade language. It is right in your fl- in your face. The actual trade of selling a human being to another human being. You put that human being on the block, and then you walk that human being away in chains. And <laughs> that being said, that being said, and, and we could talk about this later, it's like I'm saying this. Uh, we're in a period of time where we're where like, you know, Mike, you got a better, you got a better solution. I get that. I get that. And this is part of where we are right now. And we're learning, I share all this so we can navigate. So we can navigate and realize what's always been happening in the back of the minds. This is what it says right here, the Enochian communications, teach not only that humanity itself must initiate the uh, the apocalypse through the magical formula, but the humans must be the physical agents, like it's, it's been put in us, it has been it, it this this magical working is it's spelled out, it's in the subconscious, we have to work with it. But how we move away from it is first by understanding first by understanding this is the game that is that is out there. And like, this isn't just like me and you talking like, oh, woo woo stuff. Like I just laid it out for you. I laid it out for everyone to see. Like, you know, maybe there's more, maybe there's less, maybe I'm kind of right, kind of wrong or, but this is the gist. It is consistently shown over and over and over again. All right, I return return the stick.
1: (laughs) Man, that was powers. There's a lot of over a lot of overlap a lot of uh consistency i was taught it's in consistency you find the truth you know so uh yeah man i'm excited to share this part so uh is my uh All right, so uh, those that follow my my research know that uh, I focus on Philadelphia as being a, uh, like the birth of Philadelphia, being a manipulation of a historic and prophetic timeline, you know? That the birth of Philadelphia was mimicking a prof- it was a historical event that mimicked a fulfillment of prophecy, but had a nefarious intention built in it. You know, so Philadelphia is is like an act of magic. You know, those that are familiar with with my book, Great Mystery Philadelphia. Subtitle is an urban act of magic, you know. And uh when you get into like what's the deepest form of magic, you're really getting into the realms of manipulating historic and prophetic timelines. That's the deepest form of magic a person can engage in because you're actually your uh Will, your intention is, you know, potentially manipulating eons of space-time. So when you get into uh, manipulating space-time, historic and prophetic timelines, there's really four nefarious ways you could do it. Only one benevolent, before nefarious, okay? First is anathema. Anathema is a a term that means to make as if it doesn't exist, you know? We'll get a little deeper into that. But I will just say, uh, I'll give the examples here. An example of anathema was what was done to the Book of Enoch in, in what we would say medieval times, where after uh, certain Roman councils and edicts. uh, Church leaders said the Book of Enoch was a false teaching that had to be made as if it never existed, right? So to make something anathema, not only do you destroy it, but all references to it. So that is the foundation of what we would call apocrypha, the the hidden text of church uh you know Christian church any not only was the book of Enoch made anathema but any other book of the prophets that made reference to the Book of Enoch, those were made enough, those are, you know, made as as if they never existed as well. So that's one way. Another way is to uh, pervert or distort prophetic teachings, you know. Uh, the Prophecies of the Church of Philadelphia by Jane Lee is a good example of that where she took a whole lot of biblical prophecies out of context to kind of justify piracy, justify enslavement, justify bondage to create what we call Philadelphia today, you know? Another way is to like read prophecy, know what it is, and then enact certain historical events that prevent that prophecy from being fulfilled, you know? And then the last way is to read prophecy, know what prophecy is, and then enact a historical event that would mimic fulfillment of that prophecy, but it really has like a nefarious intention or an ulterior motive Embedded in it, you know. And really, that is what we call Philadelphia today. This this city of Philadelphia, it is mimicking fulfillment of a historic and prophetic timeline. You know, the prophecy of the Church of Philadelphia. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, but ultimately it had a nefarious intention built in it, you know. And the key to decoding what that intention was and is, and how it's manifesting, it centers around this statue right here, Prometheus strangling the vulture. And this statue rests at the steps of the immortal entrance of the Philadelphia Museum of Art. You know, So this, this statue has an amazingly, significant position within like the uh museum without walls we call philadelphia you know and really overstanding prometheus's role in greek mythology prometheus's role in history it 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 explains a lot as far as all of the phenomena we see related to Philadelphia around timeline manipulation Philadelphia experiment being the penultimate expression of that you know So yeah here's a frontal view of Prometheus strangling the vulture Prometheus uh his name means forethought and he's like the uh the the crafty deceiver, in Greco-Roman mythology. He, uh, his, his superpower was that he was able to foresee the future. And he would use his foresight or for awareness of the future to manipulate the present for self-willed intention. Okay. And. Uh, Prometheus is considered a, a Nephilim, a fallen angel, a Titan. Okay. And in the clash of the Titans, he was able, you know, the Titans were defeated and banished to the underworld. But he was a he was able to foresee their defeat and surrendered to the Olympian gods and kind of sided with them, such that once the Titans were defeated, he was able to escape that judgment and and, and remained on, on the surface of, of planet Earth, okay? But even though he You know, he feigned his alliance with the Olympians. He was still down with his original team, the Titans, and he gave electric fire to humanity, knowing their use of it would open up the gates of hell, freeing his fellow Titans once again. Okay, so When he did that, just to explain the whole vulture piece, the Olympian ruler, Zeus, uh, to punish Prometheus, he bound him to the rock of eternal torment in the Caucasus Mountains and set a vulture to come and eat out his liver every day. But because it was a rock of eternal torment, his liver would grow back so that the vulture could come back and just keep repeating it every day. And ultimately, Hercules did free Prometheus from the rock of eternal torment, thus enabling what we see here, Prometheus strangling his vault, strangling the vulture or strangling his uh punisher you know so this prometheus story is intimately tied in to ben franklin number one ben franklin is depicted as a herculean god of philadelphia okay i'm not going to get all deep into that this go round. that might be you know for a next discussion but it is tied in to Ben Franklin receiving electricity in exchange for opening the gates of hell. Okay, and so let's look, All right, I want y'all to see this statue, okay, where this statue is in direct alignment with Prometheus strangling the vulture. And here's the key to Ben Franklin's relationship to Prometheus, because if you notice in this panel, all the other colonialists are headed in one direction and everything associated with them is agricultural. It's about farm and land production in some way or another. If you study who these historic figures are, again, I'm not gonna get all into that. <clears throat> There's only two people looking counter to where this uh, agri- agrarian wave is moving. One is Ben Franklin, who you see centered. The other is Michael Muhlenberg, who is in the background. You can't really see him. He's the One, two. He's the third. He's the. He's right behind the third person on the left, and he's holding a book. So Muhlenberg and Franklin are only two looking back. Muhlenberg's place in history is the priest who turned soldier, or pastor who turned soldier. But he spent time in Europe. More than likely studying occult teachings. And he gave Ben, he's the one who gave Ben Franklin the keys to opening the gates of hell. And again, he did it in exchange for Prometheus giving Franklin electric fire. Okay. So historically, There are two Prometheuses, okay? One And and I'm gonna use the the Egyptian or the Kemetic names. These Prometheuses are are known by several cultures by several names. I'm gonna use the Egyptian or the Kemetic names so that they can be easily researched, okay? But the most ancient Prometheus, we would say is Ptah Seker. Okay, Ptah Seker, who ended the golden age of Asar. When you study Prometheus, they say his first manipulation of a historic timeline was that he ended the golden age of uh, Bacchus in, in Greek mythology. You know, the god of agriculture crops and wine, you know? Uh Bacchus or Sar, they are the ones who I guess we would say biblically established the edenic timeline. The natural time, timeline. That uh you know, we knew we weren't we did, we knew not we were naked. We lived in nature. At one with Earth and and creation, you know, and and uh, every herb that was grown, that was our meat. You know, it was an Edenic way of living. If we were to make the comedic correspondence to the Netter, or the the, the deity responsible for the Edenic timeline, it was Asar, or Osiris. Right, the Greek, another uh, name form in Greek was is Osiris, okay? So Prometheus in Kemet is Ptah Seker. He ended the golden age of Asar along with men, men-er, by introducing metallurgy and weaponry. To humanity, right, and that ultimately culminated in the founding of dynastic Egypt and the uh, pharaonic lines of Memphis or Menefer, the city of Men, where you know it was sacred to Ptah, Ptah Seker, and he ruled for seven dynasties from Menefre in the name of Ptah. Sekar Asar. Okay. So this was the first big manipulation of historic and prophetic timelines. Second Prometheus is the Prometheus after the Titanocomy or the Clash of the Titans. Historically the Clash of the Titans are what we know of as the first and second intermediate periods, right? where you had the Olympians who would be the Thebans in Kemetic history, the followers of Amin-Ra and Mut, Sekhmet, and Khonsu, who, re- who rose up from Thebes, Meroe, and Napata to re-establish the Asarian order, right? and they fought against the Memphis power base of Ptah and men, they also fought against uh, another uh, Netter and Kemet named Hereshaf, who was the Greek Hercules. Okay, so this is how, this is the real life clash of titans. Uh, and I do go in depth in this, in my book, Great Mystery Philadelphia, because when you study Philadelphia, one of the things they they show you here is that the Clash of the Titans continues. This thing isn't over. It isn't, you know, it was an ancient battle, but it's, it's continuing today. And Philadelphia is a major battlefront, Okay, So this second Prometheus. The, the Prometheus that stayed on earth after the Titanocomy wasn't banished to the underworld. That's Ramesses II of the 19th dynasty, also known in Greek as Osmodius. okay? But this is the Greek Hercules, right? This is this boy right here. So why he's very significant, As far as Prometheus and historic and prophetic timeline manipulation is it seems like Ramesses II had what we would call a time lensing technology. He had some way of warping the space time continuum, such that he could see into the future. And he used this technology to enact certain historical events that created what we call the what, what, what I would call the Philadelphia Experiment timeline today. Okay, there's a whole lot of evidence around it. I'm not going to get into all of it again because we'd be here for a very long time. But the most significant piece of evidence that I will mention, so people can follow up on this is he he built several temples. One of the most significant in terms of timeline manipulation is called the Osirian, and it's in the holy city of Abydos or Abju. This is the city that's sacred to Asar, pre-dynastic, right? And he built this Osirian, almost like You know how when we look at how they manipulate timelines today and they build certain monuments to kind of a slap in the face to the originals or the ones they're trying to throw them off the timeline, right? In the city holy to Asar, Ramesses II built a temple that the king's list excluded the Asarian kings. They went straight from creation to the kings of Ptah at Memphis and led right up to Ramesses II. Okay, so uh, and his father was named uh, Seti I, the Setians, Ptah, Men, and Harris Schaff, or or the, Comedic Hercules, all of these ones. These are the Titans. These are the fallen angels. These are the Nephilim, right? Uh, Seti the first, Ramses the second. They built the Asarian, all with the intention of rewriting their past to say that the gods of Ptah and Men were the first divine kings of earth, right? But there was also something very amazing found in the Osirene, And that's this glyph right here, everyone can see, which is glyphs that appear like helicopters and airplanes. So this is why we say this man, Ramesses II, the third pharaoh of the 19th dynasty appeared to have a time-lensing technology, where he could see into the future, into this timeline we're in right now. Right, we're going to fast forward to Ptolemaic Egypt. Right, this character right here, Ptolemy Philadelphus. It seems to it seems there's evidence that kind of points to the probability that the time lensing technology that Ramesses II had got passed on to this guy, me Philadelphus, and that he used it in this building right here, uh, which he made in. Uh, Macedon, Macedonian Greece, called Pharaoh's Lighthouse. Now both Ramesses II, and I should even say Ramesses II, Osmodius, he is the historic uh demigod, half-man, half-god, Nephilim, that the Greeks call Hercules. This dude, Ramesses II, he built so like he built so many temples. He conquered so many lands. He was like the ultimate Hercules, you know, the biggest, the baddest Pharaoh of, of them all. Okay. This this is Ramesses II. And This guy, Totlemy Philadelphus, he was Herculean. He was a Herculean pharaoh as well. As a matter of fact, he he, he patterned his life after Ramesses II, okay? And more than likely, in this Pharaoh's lighthouse, He had that same time lensing technology and did a lot of things that will, and I'll even be more specific, and acted a lot of historical events that put us on what we would call the Philadelphia Experiment timeline. Specifically, even the city, Philadelphia, it's named after this guy the Church of Philadelphia, the prophecy of the Church of Philadelphia in Revelations it was a manipulation of this guy, okay? Uh, uh, Totlemy Philadelphus founded the University of Alexandria and the Library of Alexandria, okay? Very, very important, okay? Uh, Philadelphi, I should even mention, his name, where it comes from, Philadelphia means lover of the same womb. Okay, and so we think it means brotherly love, sisterly affection, like you know brotherhood and sisterhood. No. This dude married his own sister. Okay, uh, Arsenault the second, he married his own sister, and they together became deified uh let me find it. deified as the theo adelphi or sibling gods okay so when we find in revelations the prophecy of the church of philadelphia where this this is an example of, of, remember we said there's four nefarious ways of manipulating historic and prophetic timelines. And one was to just straight out pervert or distort the prophecy, right? Here's a prime example of that, where in, the prophecies of revelations, which were originally Enochian prophecies. Okay? These were originally not Revelations is a summation of Enoch's prophecy. And I and that like that Enochian timeline, that's probably another discussion. I'm not even going to really get into the real Edenic Enochian timeline today, because. We're gonna put keep that in the chamber for a next a next reasoning, right? But Ptolemy Philadelphus took the original Enochian timeline and wrote a benevolent prophecy for him, his sister, and really the Ptolemaic bloodline who we would say evolved into the Greco-Gauls, you know, historically. He wrote them in to receive the benevolent prophecy of Enoch in the, what we know of today as the prophecy of the Church of Philadelphia, where there's seven churches that receive a prophecy. Six of the churches all of those six happen to be historical enemies of Tottenham Philadelphia. They receive judgment, they receive a critical harsh judgment for their prophecy, and there's one church that receives a benevolent prophecy that they're even going to be saved on judgment day, and that's the Church of Philadelphia. Okay, so here's the root of that, but it also, again, with this time lensing and peering into the future, Totlemy Philadelphus seemed to set historic events in motion that culminated in a group of people we would call the Dolphins. Okay, those in Philadelphia know there's Dolphin Street. Pennsylvania has a Dolphin County, right? these dolphins refer back to top. They were like a Herculean secret order for lack of better word that existed throughout medieval uh, we'll say Roman and medieval Europe, okay? And who comes out of this order? Ben Franklin. When you look at the Franklin coat of arms, you see the dolphin, University of Pennsylvania, you see the dolphin, right, on their crest. So here you have a man, Ben Franklin, who is again is the Herculean God of Philadelphia. We'll talk about that in, uh, again. And that's, that's another one in the chamber, but he, Comes in the image of Ptolemy Philadelphus expanding Greco Gaul dominion by establishing universities and libraries. Okay. And uh, again, just like Hercules, one of the feats of Hercules, right? Uh, like, you know, in Greek mythology, they say Hercules had 12 feats, right? Like uh, he had to slay a lion, clean some shit up by moving a river, did a whole bunch of things, right? But then his 13th labor, he founded, he sired 300 women He spawned spawning 300 nations, right? And another thing Hercules did was went and freed Prometheus from the vulture, okay? So here we have Ben Franklin again, opening up the gates of hell, freeing the fellow Titans that then free Prometheus, so that he could strangle the vulture. And Ben Franklin's reward for doing that was receiving electric fire from Prometheus, okay? So here's Ben Franklin as the thinker opening the gates of hell. Again, I'm sure many that are watching this have seen my research on Ben Franklin and the gates of hell. I do have videos up on that, but again, that might be something we Research, you know, penetrate again as mystics from the 40th parallel, you know. But here it is, here's the gates of hell on the Ben Franklin Parkway. And Ben Franklin is the thinker opening them. Why, again, would Ben Franklin open the gates to hell to free the Titans from the, their inner earth imprisonment? And this aligns with you were talking about John D opening up some gates, right? So where there's consistency is where you find the truth, right? And Ben and, and Ben Franklin receiving electric fire from Prometheus is what we know of as Ben Franklin's Philadelphia Experiment. Okay so now we do have to say ben franklin's philadelphia experiment right is born out of william penn's holy experiment remember we i might have mentioned this last and on the last episode i did where the birth of philadelphia again it it the birth itself was an attempt to manipulate historic and prophetic timelines where William Penn under the kind of mystic guidance of the Rosy Cross order embodied in Johann Kelp. They came to the 40th parallel looking for the Lost Tribes of Israel kind of to stack the deck. They found the people where that Enochian Edenic original prophecy said yo these are the people that going to be blessed on judgment day at this place they came here to attempting to steal that prophetic birthright and that's embodied in william penn's holy experiment this is william penn's prayer it's embodied on city hall Right. Where essentially, hey, if I can get along with the indi- if I could create a colony where the gathered churches of London and. The. uh Indigenous of the land I colonize, if we can live together in oneness, may my colony be saved on Judgment Day. OK, so. Again, it was probably time lensing and studying of the Book of Enoch that empowered John D. with the vision to, to set the Rosicrucian order on this mission, okay? And while I'm here, I will mention this too before I forget, because I wanted to tie in Something you were talking about with the Enochian magic, just to clarify who is the Enochian angel they're praying to for this? It's Samyaza. Okay, the, the, the fallen angel who uh in in Inverted Enochian magic is being used as what you would call the angel of punishment. And how does he manifest in our reality today? Samyaza is Uncle Sam. Okay, so I wanted to just hit that point real quick, you know. But here we are in a city that was founded. To manipulate a historic and prophetic timeline. So it's not coincidence that the technology for manipulating the space-time continuum will be born out of here. Okay. And all of this is memorialized in the Franklin Institute of Science and Technology. All the keys to decoding this mystery are in here, between here and the Museum of University of Pennsylvania, right? But uh, most of us think the Philadelphia Experiment started in 1943 with the USS Eldridge, right? But no, Ben Franklin started the Philadelphia Experiment. All of his experiments on electricity, he referred to as the Philadelphia Experiment, okay? And these are what he started in about 1752, right? He he was a contributing writer to several uh, newspapers in both France and England, and he referred to his experiments with electricity in his writings as the Philadelphia Experiment, okay? So that tells us there's three technologies tied in to what we call the Philadelphia experiment. Electricity, excuse me. I don't know why my thing is on auto time, excuse me. Electricity, the computer, and actually creating space-time portals, holes in the space-time continuum through which you could travel through using technology all three of those things were discovered invented here in philadelphia okay uh we said hey it starts in 1752 with franklin's he didn't discover electricity excuse me but what franklin did was demonstrate that uh static electricity and lightning Are the same phenomena, okay? The next, and he also, uh, I should mention, Franklin the basic technology of circuitry and energy storage of you, you know, like battery energy storage as well as all right so being able to generate an electric charge store an electric charge and conduct an electric charge in a circuit these are the three key inventions franklin is responsible for in his philadelphia experiments as well as demonstrating that lightning and static electricity are the same phenomena, okay? The image to the left down here, this is Franklin Square. Image up top uh, is near Franklin Square where Ben Franklin Bridge enters Philadelphia. And you see they got the iconic kites there, okay? Notice uh, small children around Franklin, as he's discovering this electricity that ties into the Herculean dynamic of Franklin again, and you know, why there's dead babies and women on the gates of hell, where Franklin is the thinker on top of the things he had to do to get the visions to discover this electricity, right? so now university of pennsylvania 19 i would say ENIAC was completed early part of 1943 1942 you mentioned like they be playing with the time when was ENIAC invented yeah my feeling is 1942 1943 why do we say that well first off they said ENIAC was being created during in the war effort of world war ii okay world war ii ended in 95 right am i right i think so so why would they invent ENIAC the year after the war ended doesn't add up they said it was invented to uh, calculate the trajectory of missiles. Right. But again, it wasn't deployed to the US Army until after the war. From 1992 to, I guess, 95. ENIAC was at the University of Pennsylvania. And Who studied the Philadelphia experiment of 1943 with the USS Eldridge says John von Neumann used ENIAC to calculate, uh, to create, to manipulate the calculations needed to synchronize the three generators of the USS Eldridge with the Delta T antennas they planned on energizing to, uh, you know, blow these holes in the fabric of space time. Okay? And I will just like right. I'm assuming everyone knows about this 1943 Philadelphia. I, I think I will. I think I got some slides that'll let us go into it. But a, I want to point something out. What was at the universe? What just happened to be at the University of Pennsylvania from 1927 up through John von Neumann's experiments and beyond? Okay, University of Pennsylvania was one of the first institutions in the United States to engage in what we would call Egyptology, and going to Egypt and doing excavations and bringing things back, okay? So in UPenn's mummy exhibit, the two features right here on the left, a statue of Ramesses II that is from the temple of Hereshaf or Hercules in, in the Nile Valley. Okay? This is their largest and, and featured statue at the U Pen Museum. You also have a collection of mummies and sarcophagus at U Penn Museum the most famous the most like celebrated this sarcophagus of Pata Seker Asar can't make this stuff up man you can't make this stuff up so these things were here at the U Penn museum where von Neumann was inventing eniac one more important artifact at UPenn Museum. The third largest natural crystal ball ever. There's only two larger crystal, real quartz crystal. There's only two larger than this. And this was made in dynastic China for empress, for her to do scrying. Why do I bring this up? Remember we said Ramesses II we said there's two Prometheuses. Mm-hmm. One was Ptah-Seker Asar, who ended the Golden Age, ended the Asarian Edenic Age. The other was Ramesses II, who was the Prometheus after the Clash of the Titans, the one who built the Osirian, the one who seemed to have some time-lensing technology. I have a strong feeling that time lens, time lensing experiments were being conducted at UPenn and it was a part of birthing ENIAC. And that, you know, before they made it a, uh, official technology, which I think was done in Montauk, New York, right, under what they call Operation Looking Glass. I think UPenn is where Operation Looking Glass jumped off using these ancient artifacts. And that Von Neumann, beyond introducing the computer to Operation Looking Glass was able to introduce electricity, high-voltage electromagnetic fields to this technology. And that that is the root of what they call the Philadelphia Experiment, which was a catastrophic success. It occurred August 12, 1943, right near what they call Tenocom Island very close to Philadelphia International Airport today you know and uh, it was catastrophic success cuz a lot of people did lose their lives uh the movie Philadelphia experiment uh the two main characters they did they suffered a lot i actually had the I, i'm i'm going to share this with you i had the opportunity to meet uh, Duncan Cameroon and Al Beliac, hmm. the two survivors of the USS Eldridge that went public at a UFO conference in 1996 here in Philadelphia put on by a man named Bob Yuri And Bob Urey was, a, he's, he's you know, he was an African American, a black man, and way ahead of his time, he rented out the Philadelphia Convention Center and brought uh, Al Beliick, Duncan Cameroon, Peter Moon, and other guy, his name is escaping me, who was connected with writing the Montauk Project series. He had... Uh, Bradson. Uh to so many. Uh what was Zachariah Stitching was there. Uh Hogan, uh the, the boy Hoagland, Richard Hoagland, mm-hmm. who the face on Mars man, uh Kathy O'Brien. It was it, if he had had that conference today. In 2021, he'd be a scabillionaire, right? But in 1996, he was ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. So he rented out the Philadelphia Convention Center, and maybe 80 to 100 people came. But what that did was uh, it made it a very personable event, and I actually got to have a sit-down with Al Biliot and Duncan Cameron, you know, and listen to them for hours about their experience on the USS Eldridge, you know? Uh, so, you know, to put their story in simplest, Terms. Von Neumann opened a hole in the space-time continuum in Philadelphia, August 12, 1943. And you could say that hole was uh, it 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 wasn't a circuit, it, it didn't have a a loop. You know, and, and space time. The space time continuum is like cyclical or loop design right in nature. So they needed to loop this, they needed to put a a, a loop, make it a, a, have a cycle, a, a, a circle. Structure to it. So they recreated the same experiment, but this time on Montauk Island, August 12th, 1983. And this created a 40 by 40 hole in the space-time continuum, Hmm. okay? 40 years in duration, and it's one degree of latitude, but what degree is it? (laughs) <laughs> in in distance, it's the 40th degree of latitude. In space. So excuse me, yeah, in time, it was 40 years. In space, it's one degree. Philadelphia experiment occurred on the lower cusp of the 40th latitude. Montauk experiment, 40 years to the day, occurred on the upper cusp of uh, 40th latitude. And when you read the Montauk project, it's Operation Looking Glass. They they created a, a chair that allowed them to peer into the future. And they were able to evolve the technology in such a way that they were actually able to send people physically back and forth throughout space time through this 40 by 40 hole. You know? So uh, that's, you know, I think that's more than enough, man. It it gives people the gist of uh, how this, how Philadelphia as a city was a manipulation of a historic and prophetic timeline thus making it not coincidental that uh, the technology for manipulating historic and prophetic timelines was born out of here. And those three key technologies being electricity, computer, and actual time travel.
0: Are, are you, are you done? Yeah, I'm done, bro, yeah, yeah go, we can yeah, open it I up. Because I, can it. Open I it want up to speak. point. All right, yeah. so the very first, so, uh, wow, like, right? It's like, you know, that's that's the thing, I think both of us do this, like there's so much information, it's a long time to unpack. And so there, the things are jumping off right now. So can you pull your, your presentation back up and go to the slide which you had, which had um, Ben Franklin and the and the children in the background? the painting. So it also had like the kite on it.
1: Yes. All right.
0: Not that one. Yeah, Yeah. that one. And so what's the is the very next one, the the John von Neumann one? All right, so you have it at some place where it goes one from the other, it goes directly from from the Ben Franklin picture to the John, the John von Neumann p- picture. You were, you are going back and forth. I yeah. Knew knew yeah. That. Okay. 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 So let, I, <laughs> just humor me for a minute, please. Look at that face, John, uh, Ben Franklin's face. Now let's go look at John von Neumann's face.
1: Damn. I see where you're going with this. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Damn. Interesting. So I mean I don't know if they're the same person,
0: but 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 I'm <laughs> I mean but we see this we see this thread showing up over and over and over again of this of a very strong likeness of of major contemporary historical characters and or major contemporary characters that look just like historical characters. Um the 40 by the 40 is um I think so significant as relates to the kelpius 40 by 40. Mm. right it's like they we're playing with this on multiple levels it's like but it's this 40 by 40 and and i just 40 to by
1: think, 40 man It's something about it
0: well how does that you, this is the question i have how does that relate to the dimensions of the tabernacle right i know that the, the uh i i know that they are um you know they can be translated into to, to normal. I'm curious if that's close or whatever, like that's just kind of where my mind goes. But but like beginning to think about like, you know, I I love to take this stuff and I love to apply it in very like like practical sort of way, like what what what's happening right now, right here and now. Um, another thing I, I mentioned it in the beginning when we're talking about the 40th parallel and the four, uh you know, and everyone else who's who who's watching, you know, we're all kind of like connected to whatever it may be. Um, so. That the way you were you the way you pointed out the fact that um, and and I don't know if this was clear to everyone, I want to make certain this is so friggin crystal clear in like literal. um, Like when thinking about like our physical space like you know the time space continuum that the 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 two locations of the um of the the philadelphia experiment the montauk and the philadelphia they were literally like just if you could imagine those lines like the 40th degree parallel as a line that goes around the earth like an equator and then Mm. exactly like one 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 full degree one full degree goes to 41. it's on the two different like just above it and just below it that's what that's what that's what 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 was being explained like that whole chunk falls within this this thing this thing which which we're we're, we're beginning to There's we're all connected to it, to it because you know but but beginning to look at it like that happened that physically happened uh what does that mean um the the 40 as i said also how that ties into the 40 and the 40 and here's the other thing when we talked about kelpius before kelpius um uh, he died the day after he completed his 40th birthday. There's something about this encapsulating of 40, which which is seemingly significant. And then the 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 other thing which really jumped out at me is you mentioned that 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 Pennsylvania has a dolphin county, D-A-P-H-I-N, D-A-U-P-H-I-N, but it's not just any county. It's the county that houses the capital. So it's like when we begin to recognize, like when you're talking about um uh, 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 William Penn's Holy Experiment, the Philadelphia Experiment, and like this, and like going back to Egypt, like this stuff hasn't ended. Like it's the same thing, and it's like this is where this is the space where at least this part of the story. We know what's happened here. You know what's happened by looking at the characters uh, that were involved in the history of involved. Like you know, this is where it is and and where it uh you talked about it or we mentioned this before we talked about the wilderness this is all within the wilderness dolphin county in philadelphia they encapsulate the wilderness between the delaware river and the susquehanna river where all of this experimentation this like outer uh i concur with you completely about the uh um about the uh 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 enioc probably was in running for a long time before like it, it told us i mean uh, you know, that makes so much sense um so i don't know it's just excited to say that and then i've got one question which i'm hoping you could go a little bit deeper into and that is um what'd you talk to the guys about
1: what'd you I'm talk listening. to al
0: about what'd you when you went I'm that that was I'm such
1: I, Cause well, first off, you gotta know this is 1996. Well, I was about 25 years younger. So I was, I was, you know, I was the young, I was the young head. I was the young and on set. Uh huh. You know, but I did know who they were, and was just in awe to the re- reality that I'm sitting here in circle with them. You wow. know, and wow. what I would say is that. Uh, okay, now, what I will say is this, Duncan Cameron didn't speak at all, okay? He was the one who they say they, you know, if you saw the Philadelphia Experiment, the movie, the one whose arm was, would get inflamed with this energy and eventually he just kind of died. Well, what what they would say is that his death, was going to greatly throw off the space time continuum. And so they had to create, they had to go back in time to his father, create a scenario where he birthed another child. So here we are in these, these, again, now this, this whole Philadelphia experiment has created these divergent timelines. Right. He had to go back and create, another person who would fulfill most of the things that Duncan Cameron was supposed to do, okay? And, you know, that's who this guy was. Wow. And he appeared, I've, I've seen a lot of traumatized people mm-hmm. in my life, okay? He, by far, was appeared to be the most traumatized person. I've I've been in space with. Wow. And the closest person I've seen in recent history, who had his affect, was Baron Trump. Particularly the younger Baron Trump, when Trump first got in office. And it really made me reflect on that. I think is what's his name, Ingersoll Swan? No, 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 no. no. In, uh, the guy who wrote a book, I think, called The Last President, but it was like this idea that Barron Trump was sent back in time. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to remember who's. Or what's Trump's alma mater? UPenn. UPenn. Okay, he went to Wharton School of Business. And whose uncle confiscated Tesla Technology? Donald Trump. You know? And yeah, I would not be surprised if. Barron Trump experienced space-time continuum breaks because the same affect he has was the same affect I saw in Duncan Cameron. So most of the talking was done by Al Beliac, and I think his name is Peter Moon, the author, no, Preston Nichols, it was Preston Nichols, the engineer from Montauk who says he had these repressed memories that had came forward and he was able to put together his his, uh involvement there at Montauk. These two did most of the talking and yeah they just recounted their experiences you know with with uh you know they they said in the movie the the base where they supposedly like rematerialized in the 80s the base was kind of like supposed to be in the southwest but that the actual place was montauk you know uh They talked about Delta T technology a lot and the Delta T antenna being very important for opening these portals. Like that's the key, you know, Uh, yeah, that was really what they were talking about wow wow
0: um i mean the whole presentation the whole pre and and particularly in in context would you mind taking down the screen share so i can see your face big i like see your face sure. <laughs> um yeah there we go um yeah there's that that was uh uh th- there, there's a lot there and um and uh it, it humanizes it. It humanizes it when when you talk about the the individuals uh, that you you know you sat with them like in physical space with them, and uh, that's a that's a fascinating observation regarding Barron Trump. And it's funny, like you know, I'm not a, a big follower of politics. I know the, kind of the storylines that are going on, but. Um, his has been like the 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 human being the child, the baron trump that we see on the t v like there is definitely something within like that um the expression on his face which has always captured my awareness as well and so it's it's uh you know that's kind of a, an interesting thing um and then in two years from now it's gonna be forty years from the eighty third or nineteen eighty
1: three mm Yeah, and that's tied in with that D-Wave technology, too. Uh, Gordy Rose, I think he made a big prediction about 2023. What did he say? I don't know. If I remember correctly, he said by 2023, uh, they're going to have a technology, they said, I think he said an experiment will be done by D wave computers that proves gravitational lensing.
0: <laughs>
1: um wow. Wow, so wow I took that and I, if and and uh yeah I would just recommend the, the listening audience look up the three predictions of D-Wave and and uh Georgie Rose but if when I, if, if, because I'm kind of re, just remembering this off the top of my head. But I, how I interpreted it was that by 2023, they were going to re like uh, the experiment, it was a reason Philadelphia experiment occurred August 12, 43, and Montauk occurred August 12, 83 there was something, again, that tied in with the 40 years, but uh, I even think there's something with the Earth's magnetic field that goes on on August 12th. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So my, my feeling is August 12th, 2023, right, which again, it's 40 years after that, they're going to do, they're going to attempt to do an experiment with gravitational lensing and the d wave. You know, they time lensed with with the Montauk and Philadelphia experiment. That's my feeling, because that's really what Montauk is all about—time lensing. You know, peering into the past and 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 the present and the future. Right. So, you're going to take a galactic and planetary uh. in twenty three and i don't know if you
0: you noticed this when i put when i had up the 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 text about um the beginning of darpanet the very first plan they called it was the intergalactic uh internet and i always thought that was strange like why you know why are they talking intergalactic they haven't even built it in you know supposedly they haven't even built it like i always thought that was right 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 (laughs) <laughs> I'm like it didn't make any sense like you know so it's uh, but it makes but or a question I often like to ask when I bump up against something like that is in what situation does this make sense right oh it's because they already had it and this is what they're doing like, well here's uh, that
1: situation
0: uh you know and so that here's makes that a lot situation. of situation that's good stuff so uh well, man th- this was fun this was this was this was wild. And I hope that a lot of uh, and, and I hope that everyone else at home had as much fun and, and learned as much as I know I did. Um and uh we're gonna um keep on going with this, and it's gonna be, I think, a really interesting ride.
1: Absolutely. Any Absolutely. final words? So well, what are we gonna talk about next? I guess this that would be the Pisces New Moon. I was wrong too last episode i thought this was going to be the Aquarian full moon but it actually fell in the pisces cycle so okay we're the pisces right and we're going to be coming together the pisces new moon what, what, what are we going to chop it up on man
0: i mean i was thinking a little bit about this and you tell me because we talked about a lot of heavy stuff we talked about a lot of heavy stuff today uh a lot of stuff which um if you're listening at home and you're like, well, what do I do? What timeline should I go on? What do I got? You know, all this sort of thing. So I would like to talk something a little bit more empowering. I know that both of us kind of like work with different types of medicine for lack of a different better word. Uh, I do a lot of like a lot of the stuff I like to talk about has to do with consciousness and then and understanding how this is as much of a consciousness sort of thing. And I know you do a lot of your work uh in with the with with the minerals uh and in um just in that's where a lot of your understanding of like how we can uh move through this and deal with the healing like you said you've seen a lot of traumatic people uh, or persons i'm going to suggest there's not a single person walking this earth that is not in deep trauma just because of what life is like we just think it's normal and so part of part of like this uh, becoming aware of everything around us, it's not just a watching it. It's like, well, what do we do? Like, how do we become uh, um, empowered by it? Because I think that, that um, you know, there's a, a part of the story which you told is the, 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 the manipulation of the timelines of the prophetic timelines. And there's still been um, benefic timelines or benefic potentialities which are lying in front of us right now And so, I'd like to talk about stuff like that. I'd like to talk about stuff which would make people feel like, okay, now that I understand that and where we are and what we're doing, uh, this is like these are different uh, perspectives, ideas, techniques in which this is the time to uh, to uh, move forward and create that good stuff.
1: Well, we talked about the Eniacian timeline. Maybe we could get into the Enochian time. I would
0: love that. I would love that. Um, I think that and,
1: would- be- And it is the natural timeline and the Edenic timeline, maybe we could build in some of our awareness on the Susquehannock and the Lenape. Okay. Like, uh, you know, uh, what was there? relationship to the natural timeline? How did they find themselves caught up in the Enakian? We'll see, but I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, because it's funny. More time, I make sure I have a solution driven, productive emotion producing content built in but to keep this 40th parallel one, I mean this uh technology one, like you know, within a r- 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 decent time frame, relatively decent time frame, yeah, I just had to focus on that, man I, you yeah know? well, well so I it,
0: hit- we gotta talk like it's to me to me like I see this with a, a lot of my friends right now, just in general, like people who uh over the past year have become, more conscious of the way the world works you know you know they they they, they're like oh i (laughs) and that's depressing but they're also just learning a truth they're learning a truth they were they were living they they were living they were they were believing something that was not real about the way they thought the world really works and there is undoubtedly undoubtedly an importance in knowing the truth the truth will set you free but like the stuff is can be overwhelming and so but we need to know it so we do that and then we go and like well how do i apply it because now i understand where i am now i can okay you know it's it's now what do i do so i think that's very important i think it's very important that we talk about like you know the um the uncomfortable stuff as well as the good stuff
1: yes all right yeah All right, brah, from one mystic to another on the 40th parallel, I salute you, brah. Keep doing your works.
0: I salute you in return. Thank you very much. And everybody, we're going to see you in another two weeks. Thank you.